Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining us today is Dr. Richard Thorpe, an ER physician and rancher in Texas. He has some great information to share with us today about the facts of how beef fits into a healthy diet. Dr. Thorpe, welcome to TSCRA Talk. We are so excited to have you with us today. Well, I appreciate it, Kristen. Thanks for having me on. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a doctor, you're a rancher, you're past president of TSCRA. Yes, I, I kind of have a lot of hats I wear, Kristen, and, but I am a, an emergency room physician and I work in Abilene, Texas at Hendrick Medical Center South. And that's, that has been my professional life career since coming out of college. Also ranch here in Reynolds County and Coleman County are our main areas. And uh, we've mainly a cow-calf operation. We do run stocker cattle on good years that we have uh, wheat. It's been a lifelong uh, split between medicine and, and the ranching life. And I was very pleased and humbled to be able to serve as the president of the cattle raisers. Well, you sure bring a neat perspective to us today as we talk about heart health, beef in, in a healthy diet. Um, February is Heart Health Month, and so that's what brings up this topic. Talk through how beef can fit into a healthy diet. You bet. Well, you know, I think ranchers ought to feel very, very good about the product they're raising because it is a very, very healthy diet. And I can kind of paint you a little picture of where this country has been with relationship to diets. And and one of the things that I want to emphasize right off the bat is physicians are not a good source of dietary information. There is so much illness and disease that physicians have to learn about in medical school and residency that there is really little to no time that was ever put out for dietary education. And so physicians have carried around a lot of bad information for a lot of years. Then this is now starting to change. As a matter of fact, this has been some of the uh, guidelines that have been put through the Texas Beef Council and NCBA on working on trying to get physicians up to date. But it all started, the the story started in 1955. Dwight Eisenhower, our president, had a heart attack. And at that time, heart attack became a big public awareness uh, because the president had this problem. And, and shortly thereafter that, science was pushing for why, why did our president have a heart attack? Why was heart disease on the rise in our country? And in 1961 came out a really, really famous study called the Framington Heart Study. And in 1961, they basically said cholesterol was bad and that was the cause for a lot of problems. Kind of interesting, there was a famous cardiologist I know everyone's heard of named Charles Atkins. And he, in the 1960s, already started coming up with the idea that if you restricted carbs and emphasized protein and fats, there were a lot of good things that happened to your body. Uh, the most notable that people know him for is, is losing weight. But shortly thereafter, the, the, the government got involved, and they started to release dietary guidelines. In 1980, the di- first dietary guideline came out. It was called the Food Pyramid. And for the ones old enough to remember the Food Pyramid, on the bottom of the pyramid, it emphasized 
bread, cereal, rice, pasta, basically carbohydrates. At the very top of the pyramid, you weren't supposed to eat hardly any of these, and these were oils, fats, and meats. And if you think about that could have been a recipe for causing the country's obesity problems of time have gone by. And one of the things that's been a noted fact is heart disease, strokes, and obesity have been on the rise in our country, not on the decline. And so, you know, people have tried to blame fats and things as a source of this. I think the 1984 Time Magazine had this picture on the front of it. If anybody remembers this, this is fun. Is uh, they had a picture of a breakfast plate with a face, and the face was made of eyes of two fried eggs and the mouth uh, pieces of bacon, and turned upside down in a frown. And it was it was all based on the NIH consensus conference that came out that year that uh, saturated fat caused heart disease. Well, we were all of a sudden in a real problem in the beef industry because our product was very, very fat. And uh, we had a lot of saturated fat. And and our our industry started making some rapid changes in the 80s to make our product more lean, feeding technique, trimming techniques for the grocery stores. But it was really, I want to give a lot of credit to a, a nutritionist that worked for NCBA. Her name is Dr. Shailene McNeil. And she really took the topic on the approach that maybe, you know, we aren't the cause of this and we needed to have proof of this. And so she got a study called BOLD. It was Beef for an Optimal Lean Diet in 2012 to be done at Penn State University, headed up by Dr. Penny Chris Etherton. And they basically looked at Dr. Charles Adkins studies that were in the early 60s and later in that year that basically said that if you ate a diet high in protein, and this is Adkins, and high in saturated fat, interesting thing, your cholesterol went down and so did your blood pressure and so did you lose weight. And so they were looking at this, Well, this didn't make any sense because all we ever heard was that saturated fat and cholesterol, eating that type of a diet would raise your cholesterol, make you more fat and make you have heart disease. And this has been part of the bad education. Unfortunately, a lot of physicians still carry, they're not up on the times. But anyway, this study did did verify exactly what Dr. Atkins had already found, that if you ate a uh, diet high in protein and low in carbohydrates, that you actually, cholesterol did go down and uh, blood pressure did go down and you actually lost weight. So these these have just kind of been the the really the, the real uh, landmarks. And then to very, to me, a huge landmark was in 2014, March 18, 2014, the Annals of Internal Medicine released their article that actually was done by the British, British Heart Foundation, the Cambridge National Institute of Health, that went back and looked at those Framingham studies that were done in the 60s that said cholesterol and fat were the cause of heart disease, and they found lots of flaws in those studies that basically they didn't prove anything. They went back through and looked at their study methods, everything they did, and they basically had a hypothesis, 
and moved the study to support the hypothesis that cholesterol and fat were bad and causing heart disease. And so this all of a sudden defunct the biggest study that has been supportive that fat and cholesterol were bad for you. One of my favorite things that happened after that was at a convention, I think it was 2016 at the Cattle Raisers, we had Nina Techholt. She was a New York writer that came out with a brilliant book called The Big Fat Surprise. And she went back through and really looked and researched on this and put all the fun evidence that basically supported that fat and cholesterol were not bad for you and not a cause of heart disease. Well, ever since then, dietary guidelines have continued. And remember when I talked about the food pyramid in the 80s, they've continued to have dietary guidelines released every five years. And these these are put out by the USDA. And the problem we had in 2010 to 2015 guidelines, the government tried to exclude meat and we had to fight really, really hard to prove that that uh, there was scientific research that showed that lean meat was very, very good for you and not a cause of any type of heart disease. And then they also tried to exclude us because there were a lot of vegetarian support in this time, and they tried to get us out on sustainability. With dietary guidelines at that time, they were not the experts on sustainability. So we were able to fight and, uh, and get that corrected. Then the dietary guidelines came out in 2015 to 2020 that basically we didn't have much trouble with because they did include lean beef as a good source of protein and good for you. And then kind of really a reversal, which I thought was really great, was they came out and said eggs are good for you too and they're a good source of protein, which totally went against what they said which almost killed the egg industry in the 1980s. So this bad science basically almost killed an industry. And today, now, the the dietary USDA dietary guidelines realize that dietary cholesterol, dietary saturated fat, really don't have much to do with the cause of heart disease. And so they support the fact that eggs are actually good for you and a good source of protein. Well, the new dietary guidelines were released in 2020, so the 2020-2025 guidelines are out. And fortunately for us, we have a good uh, stake in it, and uh, lean meat is good for you, and and people ought to feel good about it. I still get this today, Kristen, and, and one of the things that doctors, you know, even ask me and patients ask me, you know, we shouldn't be eating this, you know, my, my father-in-law had an open heart surgery or uh, had a heart attack, we shouldn't be eating beef. And I tell you what, that is such bad science and such archaic thinking that goes all the way back into the 60s. And that science is so outdated now, And uh, but we're still having trouble getting the word completely out. We even recently had a ranger that had open heart surgery, one of our special rangers, and he was telling me, I think I ate too much beef grilling on the back barbecue pit. And I said, no, sir, that wasn't the cause of it. Probably was the smoking that you were smoking cigarettes and cigars. And and so the science is still out there. It's just not really, but we fight every day, but we have a good product. It's very healthy. It's a great source of zinc, iron, protein, and it is very heart healthy. And I don't want people to be scared of cholesterol and fat. To me, I think it is defunct. If you really, my biggest biggest support or, or proof of that 
is the, the group of people with the highest incidence of heart disease, loss of limb and amputation due to circulation problems, highest rate of strokes, highest rate of going on the hemodialysis for kidney failure, all related around poor circulation, are diabetics. Diabetics problem is related around carbohydrates and sugar being too high. So if you want to get into what is really, really bad for you, the science has shifted, and it is the thought that absolutely carbohydrates or sugar are the culprit. And the reason for the incidence of increase in obesity, heart disease, and strokes through the country over the last 100 years has been the increased availability of carbohydrates. They didn't have carbohydrates like we did in the uh, 1880s. We have them today just crazy. And so heart disease and these things have all gone up, and, and really it's related around carbohydrates. We've known for a long time carbohydrates make you fat. Everybody remembers when they first started taking sugar out of soft drinks and making diet drinks. They created light beer, taking carbohydrates out of beer, decrease the calorie. So increase in body weight and fat is related around carbohydrates and not eating protein or fat. So Anyway, that kind of paints a, a picture, and, and a, it's, it's a great picture for the story of the beef as in the recent news, but we've had to fight it a long time because of really bad science through the years. Well, it makes me thankful that there have been people along the way who have been adamant about really seeking the truth of it and really having a common sense approach of, well, these are the guidelines, but we're not, we're not seeing improvement. We're not seeing changes. So, so let's keep digging. And I'm sure it's an uphill battle to combat this misinformation, this bad science that happened years and years ago that that so much has been based on the, and that people have formed their opinions about food and based their life on. It really is. Today, my recommendations are basically what we recommend diabetics. A diabetic diet is one that we... Um, uh, that we recommend the diabetics use is a diabetic uh, diet rich in uh, uh, meats, and these will be fish, pork, beef, chicken, and uh, and green vegetables. And to limit to virtually as little as possible the carbohydrate load, and that just doesn't include you know obvious carbohydrates like sugars and sweets. But you got to remember the the hidden carbohydrates and the starchy vegetables. And those are the corn, rice, potatoes, wheat, which all those together make up only about 6 to 8% protein, and almost the entire rest of the product is carbohydrate. So sticking to a diet similar to uh, what we recommend for diabetics is basically a whole lot of what it really was recommended by Dr. Charles Atkins in the uh, early 60s. And so it's amazing the edu- I mean, this the forethought and the science that this guy uh, uncovered, which has changed a lot of the way Americans eat today. But I really, really uh, think that our association and the National Cattlemen's Beef Association have done a great job of of working with scientists across the country to prove that we have we have a good product and what's interesting is we everybody knows about the the lean cuts of beef we have i think we're 
over 30 cuts of beef now that are considered lean. And by the USDA standards, that's less than 10 grams of total fat, less than 4.5 grams of saturated fat, less than 95 milligrams of cholesterol per serving. That puts us on the same level as uh, one of my favorite uh, doctors, Dr. Dick Sharon, also a past president, that puts it equal with what he used to call the boneless, skinless, tasteless chicken breast. <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> beef is a very, very lean product, and it is very heart healthy. Well, that is great news. Now, being in the profession that you were in, have you had some pushback from fellow medical professionals who didn't didn't know about beef's health benefits? No, I really haven't had any pushback. When I've presented my thoughts on this, and uh, which I just gave to the, our listeners, most of them are very, very interested to learn these kind of things because they just have not received any nutrition education. And still today, I think they're trying to increase nutrition education in schools. Our younger physicians coming out are uh, have a little bit more of a uh, guidelines to go by, but most of the time there's not a pushback. Most of the time there's more of an awe effect, like "Oh, really?" and uh, to learn these kind of things. And so um, it will be a continued push by uh, our industry and by uh, general uh, education in general on, on nutrition to let health professionals get the true stories about what is good for you and for the relationship with the diet. Well, that's great. Now, a question that I have for you that is related to the ranch. Cowboys at the ranch are known for being tough. And and as an ER <laughs> physician, I'm sure you've seen some pretty pretty serious injuries from cattle and horse wrecks. Do you have any stories that you could share with us from that perspective? Oh, I tell you what, this our industry is not without danger, and and if it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's uh, it's not an easy thing. And Kristen, I, I unfortunately work in an emergency department. I do see results of injury related around farming and ranching, and I think uh, I think there's a lot of ways to get hurt from machinery to uh, mishap working large animals, to horse accidents. I think uh, everybody that's in our profession has known somebody or been themselves and injured from uh, or related around agricultural accident. Wisdom comes a lot of times from being hurt. And I really think that uh, older ranchers and farmers need to share these stories with our younger people about how things have happened to them or stories that they know of so that they uh, keep from getting hurt. You know, uh, when you're young, you're bulletproof. You don't think about things as well as an older person who's been through it and seen a monster accident happen. It might be something like warming up a horse or in a round pen before you jump on him on a cold day or uh, being careful getting off of a tractor, making sure it's parked and, and um, brakes are on. And so there's there's just things that I think the older generation can share with the younger people to make sure that they don't have to go down the accident because, unfortunately, sometimes can be catastrophic. That sounds like great advice. Now, a topic that is on everyone's mind for the past nearly a year now is COVID. Is there anything that you would like to share with us today from your experience and what you've seen over the past year? You bet. You know, and I think when, as a as a doctor, 
the two things I get asked the most about are one, we just talked about nutrition and, and being asked probably the most about currently right now is, is COVID-19 and the coronavirus. I think the, um, the most important thing to, uh, I have to report, which is good news is coronavirus cases are going down across the country for the first time since this disease has hit us. We are finally starting to see it going down across the country. We're having less positive results. We're having less hospitalizations. We're having less deaths. And this is probably a combination of a bunch of things, but mainly social distancing with the use of the mask. Some herd immunity is starting to occur because there has been a tremendous amount of people that have contracted the coronavirus. And then, of course, the uh, vaccines have come out. I think the combination of those all are responsible uh, for the coronavirus. Now we're starting to feel like we're making some headway on decreasing the amount of cases. I don't want anybody to let their guard down. Because these cases are going down, you still need to be wearing masks. Even if you had the coronavirus, even if you've had the the vaccination, you still need to be wearing a mask and social distancing. The vaccinations I also want to say are very, very safe. Highly recommend that you get them. They will save your life. People that are worried about vaccinations for a lot of different other illnesses have, have long suspected vaccinations carry problems. But I'm telling you, I highly recommend you get this coronavirus vaccination. It will save your life. Thank you for sharing that information and that insight. It's helpful to have your perspective on this topic and all the things that we've discussed today. You've been a wealth of knowledge on all things. Kristen, I appreciate you letting me talk with you today. It's been a lot of fun, and I hope I provided some information that people will find useful. As we close out our segment, I encourage our listeners to learn more about TSCRA to visit tscra.org. 